This is the Breaking Labels Podcast, and I'm Rosanna Gill. Each episode, we'll discuss labels that have confined the stories of my guests at one point or another and their journeys to thrive beyond them. Some labels are external, and others we put on ourselves as limiting beliefs. But regardless of where the label comes from, we're here to break it because we were meant for so much more. Hi, everyone. Welcome back to another episode of the Breaking Labels podcast. Thank you so much for coming back. Um, I'm assuming if you are listening to this episode, you have probably listened to the last couple since we are in the midst of a four-part series with Josh Shea, um, a recovering porn addict who has just been shedding so much light on so many aspects of the addiction, but then also how it impacts families, how it impacts the people who love the um, addicts, as well as in this episode, we're actually going to talk a lot about OnlyFans and where that fits into this, I don't know if you want to call it the market or the world of pornography. And, and it's interesting because it's not necessarily, I wouldn't say this is necessarily just feeding the addiction of the porn addict, but also the content creators. So yeah, it's a really interesting episode and I'm really appreciative that you're back to listen to part three and I hope that you're just as interested in part four. But before we get into that, I did want to announce something that I have been working on for a few weeks actually. Um, So there is officially a breakinglabelsstore.com and what I did is I took some of my favorite quotes, my my number one being fearfully, wonderfully made. If you listen to the first episode of this, you know that that has been a foundational quote for me. Like I have come back to that time and time again. Anytime I felt low value, anytime I questioned myself, my worth, what I'm here for, any of it, that quote, that Psalm 139, 14. Um, but I, I kind of took an excerpt of it to create, um, some artwork, uh, as well as this other quote, um, them. She will not only climb mountains, she will move them too. Um, if you follow me on Instagram, I actually, you saw uh, a sneak peek of the artwork that I created around that quote. Um, so if you like any of those uh, quotes or you want to have a visual uh, representation of, of inspiration, um, I would be I would be so grateful for you to go check out the website. Um there is there are two mugs, fearfully wonderfully made mugs. There is some artwork for that um, in poster and on canvas, and then there is also uh, the she will not only climb mountains but move them piece, which is um, in poster and canvas form. But you know, I did something because I wanted there to be a way for people to support the podcast, yes, but I know how much those quotes mean for me and I love to see something that means that much to me pretty regularly. So I wanted to create that. I love to design. I am, I would say a artist light, like I'm not the best artist. I never have been, but I certainly love to create beautiful things. So I wanted a way to have that expression, but I also have on the website, both those quotes as digital prints for $3.99. And the reason I did that is because the the distributor I go through um, or am going through for the canvases to be printed, you know, I'm very grateful to have that outlet, but 
I know that that could be very cost prohibitive to people. And for the better part of my professional life, I have not had a lot of disposable income to buy decorations. You know, for a long time, it was just buy groceries and pay for whatever car repair ended up coming up or whatever thing that I just couldn't anticipate. So it was really important to me when creating these these pieces and, you know, making the store go live that I also have something that is affordable for all income levels. And understand, it's like I said, the digital prints are $3.99. So I understand that for some people, even that's too much. And I get that because I I remember all too well weeks where I had $30 to live off of. That was to buy um, gas to do my job, which was outside sales. So that was hard. And also that money had to pay for food for the week. So I got to tell you, even $3.99 would have been pushing it for me even then. Um, but I do also have to cover, cover overhead for the store as well. Um, so you know, I'll run specials every so often so I can get that cost even lower. And listen, I'm not going to judge you if you go on and you take a screenshot of the picture and you blow it up and you do that for free. You know what? I get it. I've had to, I've had to bootstrap some, some decorations for my place for a long time. So no judgment. It is what it is. But all that to say, there are a few different ways you could support if you want to. You don't have to. I'm still appreciative that you're even here listening to this podcast because that to me is the most amazing support you could ever give. And thank you for that. So um, I'll get into the episode, but just again, reminder, the store is breakinglabelstore.com. The Instagram for the podcast is breakinglabelspodcast. And you can listen or share any of the episodes on breakinglabelspodcast.com. So again, like I've said on every episode, if you have someone in your life that you want to listen to an episode, but they don't have a smartphone or they don't have a podcast app or they don't listen to Spotify or Pandora or iHeartRadio, you can just send them a link to the website and they can listen to all the episodes there. They could binge them. Well, I don't know if you want to binge them because that's, that, that's like 12 hours right there. But nonetheless, you got nonetheless, <laughs> you got options. So with that, let's get into this conversation with Josh. I have never met somebody who did not become, at least have all the ingredients put in place to be a porn addict before they were 20 years old. Never Whoa. met, some, never met anybody who was, who was, who wow. at 33 develops a porn addiction. You know, at 37, I recognized I had one. So I'd never that's heard not the, when it began. I'd never heard the term, but that, yeah, exactly. Mm-hmm. Um, so, so um, it is from mm-hmm. early youth. Like I said, you know, in our first episode, I was 12 the first time I saw hardcore pornography. I knew I was addicted immediately. I think I was 26 when I met my wife. So I had already had 14 years of porn addiction. I'd had 14 years of hiding it from people. I'd had 14 years of perfecting my gaslighting. I'd had 14 years of uh, just handling my addiction, even though I wasn't you know, sure it was an addiction. I had 14 years of handling it so that when she showed up, seriously, what is she going to do about this? Nothing. What is Mm -hmm. she going to add to it? Nothing. What is she going to take away from it? Nothing. Because it's, it's a very different issue. You know, I, I do also counsel uh, women whose 
husbands have been um, unfaithful to them or boyfriends have been unfaithful. And those who do have intercourse addiction, you know, yet, yet it's, it's hard to convince them. It's like, they're not replacing you. It's not that they want crazy kinky sex. Here's the thing. You bring your best friend to bed with you and your guy tomorrow. All he's going to do is the day after ask for her and your other friend. You know, it's not like you're going to cure him by meeting every sexual fantasy mm -hmm. of his life because it's not happening down there. It's happening up here in the brain. And that's, that's the toughest thing to get uh, women to understand who I deal with in betrayal trauma. And that's a lot of the early work is understanding uh, the physiological reality um, wh while simultaneously not discounting their feelings. Because you know what? Just He still does love you, but it's okay that it doesn't feel like he does. It's okay you feel this hurt and we will work through that. Um, you know, the feelings aren't fake. The feelings are legit. Your reasons for the feelings probably need the, the his reasons for making you feel the way you do probably need to be understood better mm -hmm. for you to have a proper understanding of what's going on with him. But it doesn't discount anything that you're feeling. Now, have you run into women who or percentage of women who have wounded bird syndrome where well, I don't know if you you're familiar with that term I'm but, not um, familiar with the term so a lot of times it's um interestingly enough a lot of nurses but not saying all but um basically women who are attracted to men that they have to take care of that they have they feel like they have to heal them Florence Florence Nightingale syndrome yes yes yeah. so I just used the wrong term for it um that's that's okay um um I I'm, I'm not gonna leave um <laughs> I uh I, a lot of men who are wounded are naturally attracted to caretakers and mm. a lot of caretakers are naturally attracted to wounded men. And that's why you find a lot of these people, especially the, a lot of the men will go to SLAA because they have some of these attachment and love issues. A lot of women will actually go to codependence anonymous Mm -hmm. um, and, and learn some of the, uh, techniques and hear other people's stories and recognize that they're not alone, um, when it, when it comes to that. So that's absolutely very frequent and, you know, very, I, I was very different in that way because I also was a bit of a workaholic and I, you know, I, I didn't feel like I needed control over my wife. I needed control over everything that was going on in my life. Um, aside from that. So I, I didn't experience that with her, but I have met so many men and women who, you know, they fit together like a perfect two-piece jigsaw puzzle when it comes to enabling each other's, you know, negative traits. Because frankly, if I play into your Florence Nightingale syndrome, I'm not helping it at all. I may not know I'm doing it, but I'm not helping it at all. And once I get clean, you may recognize that you need to go get a bunch of help as well mm -hmm. um, because it, it's at, it's cliched, but it's absolutely true that everybody around the addict also gets sick. How do they get sick? Uh, you know, osmosis, having to deal with the people around them. You can see in a lot of dysfunctional families, you'll see people take on roles. There's mm. the peacekeeper, there's the clown, there's the, you know, rule enforcer. There's the one who pretends nothing's happening. Um, and uh, 
with porn, that's a huge thing. Um, and, you know, that's there. There are a lot of people who will just bury their head in the sand. Uh, a lot of uh, a lot of wives who will suffer silently and just bury that. They know that their husband is, you know, spending hundreds of dollars uh, uh, a month or whatnot on porn. I mean, the amount of uh, the amount of money that has been sunk into OnlyFans in the last year. Uh, that's the thing that I'm hearing all the time now is I looked at his credit card and, you know, once in a while, I'd see a $10 charge for Mr. Skin or something. But I looked at, I looked, he's got 17 charges for OnlyFans that equal $200. And it's like, yeah, I could, that's, that it's, it's, it caters to addicts on a different level than, than traditional Ooh. porn. Um, How so? Are you familiar with OnlyFans? I know of it, but I don't really know. I just know that you pay a subscription and you get certain pictures yeah. or certain well, content. Yeah, essentially, I guess. it's 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 almost like Facebook meets Etsy. It's almost like Facebook meets Etsy in a very weird way. <laughs> okay. Because you do you do have imagine like your Facebook page mm -hmm. and you charge somebody X amount of dollars to visit that page. And on that page, you put up photos and you put up videos, whatever mm -hmm. you want. You can it. You could put up G-rated stuff. Um, mm -hmm. Good luck selling it, but you can put up <laughs> G-rated stuff. Um, and what a lot of women do um, on OnlyFans is they put up lingerie shots or peekaboo shots, and you get to see whatever they put up there for ten dollars a month or twenty dollars a month. Then they'll offer specials. Oh, do you want me to move my arms or, you know, out of the way so you can see everything? Well, I'll show you everything in a 20 second video for only $20. So the, and the other thing is much like Facebook, you can interact. There's a wall with the person, you can private message them. So a lot of these girls have figured out, um, and some of the guys have too, cause I have interviewed them. Um, have figured out that a lot of people who go to OnlyFans are looking for like the boyfriend or girlfriend experience. So the people who often get charged the most, that there are people who will be like, I will answer your messages for $2 a message. So yeah, oh. isn't that crazy? So if you and I exchange like 10 messages, um, I, I can charge bucks. you 20 bucks. Yep. And you know, and if you asked me for some custom content that only you are going to get, and that makes you special because you're the only person who's going to get me in this outfit doing this, whatever it is, that's going to be $50. Oh my God. When you were like talking last week about how like uh, porn is about control. I mean, wouldn't that just light up somebody who, who wants control? Wouldn't that just light up oh, all of hell your happy? to the yes. Absolutely. All and the bells would be ringing. Well, but, but, and here's the thing that OnlyFans um, came along at a, at, a, at a very fortuitous time for the founders, especially with the pandemic, um, mm. for two reasons. First, from a, from a consumer's point of view, OnlyFans crossed that line into pornography of people you know. And that's a big deal. You ask any guy who used to look at Playboy, did you ever fantasize or wonder what it would be like to get one of the, you know, girls of the Big Ten or girls of the Pac-10 oh. issue and you open it up and there's that girl you went to high school with, 
you know, could you imagine you turn on a, a porno and all of a sudden there's that girl or guy who was in college with you or you knew that person? Well, that thing that, you know, so many of us just was like, I wonder what that would be like. Well, now if you talk to anybody under 25, 26 years old and they say that they don't know somebody who's on OnlyFans, they are either lying to you or they have no idea what their friends are up to because mm. we've gone on January 1st, 2020, there was about, and this is, this is the other side of the coin on January 1st, 2020, there was roughly 300,000 content producers on OnlyFans, 300,000 people uh, making dirty stuff. No, 90% of them making, making quote unquote dirty stuff. Um, by January 1st, 2021, it was estimated that it was 1.3 to 1.5 million people Shut making, up. making pornography. It's going to be a bad show if I do. Now, <laughs> I... Uh, Holy moly. Now, think about that. That's one website. One website has attracted... One website has attracted between 1 million and 1.2 million quote-unquote porn stars in a year. And so I, I wrote my last book, which is called Porn in the Pandemic... I wrote it over the spring and summer last year as this was unfolding because I recognized nobody was tracking this except me. And I was looking at web stats of places like Pornhub and OnlyFans and Chatterbait every day going, oh, my God, this 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 uh, pandemic is mm -hmm. really changing things. So. But it makes sense because, again, for the same reason that you have all these people posting memes about how they're eating more and they're gaining weight at home at the pandemic, it's not because all of a sudden they're more hungry. It's because they have no control. So that's how they're numbing or that's how they're what they're doing. But yeah. then for somebody who's already addicted to porn, then that's what you're going to do. You're going to do. Well, and, you're going to use well, whatever you are. The fact is that, you know, like I said the other day, 80 percent of men under 50 look at porn at least once a month. 60% of women under 50 look at porn at least once a month. Even if you're not an addict, the odds are you're still looking. And I'm going to mm -hmm. guess you're going to look a little more frequently if you're stuck in your house all the time. Mm -hmm. You've got downtime. You've got recreation time. You've got, you know, maybe if you are, if you are a single and you're active on the dating scene, maybe that's, you know, Maybe you're filling those needs, whatever mm -hmm. it may be. A lot more people were looking at porn. You look at Pornhub's year over year statistics from the very when the pandemic first started, you're talking, depending on the country, between 30 and 60 percent upshoot of Holy abuse. Moly. So it was insane. But but what's interesting, going back to OnlyFans, is that when I decided to write this book, I wanted to interview a bunch of people who were on OnlyFans or were on these campsites um, that are out there, um, since it's not that different. And I talked with both men and women, and I talked with people who were brand new to it because of the pandemic, and people who had been doing it for a long time. The people who were doing it for a long time could tell me about how the consumers' attitudes changed once the pandemic came around. But what I actually found far more interesting was talking to the models, because many of the new models uh, were only two, three, four weeks into using it when I talked to them. Oh, wow. uh, whether it's only fans or the cam sites and they all uniformly loved it. And 
they really did like the money because there was a crap load of money in it a year ago. There's not as much now, uh, but there, there was a whole lot more money in it back then. So they loved the money. But what I heard from a percentage of these men and women were things like, I can't get a boyfriend in real life. And now I've got men proposing marriage to me. Or, you know, I, I have never liked my body but there are so many people every day now who tell me how beautiful I am. And I love that attention. And I love the fact that they oh will send, they will send me a, uh, you know, I, I have a Amazon wish list and they'll send me a gift from my wish list. I talked to one girl who her third day on OnlyFans got a Mac laptop from a guy. What? I don't know. People have money that I don't have, I guess. You should be um, sending out Mac laptop. I have a Mac laptop. Holy shnike. And I have it because yeah. my work provided it. I looked up the price. Right. I was like, you, you didn't have to sucks. show anything. That's good. No, nope. um, that's, that's, that's just good. my resume. Well, that's but- good. Although, although how old, how old my computer is, I, I, I might show a little skin for a new one, but <laughs> you should start your OnlyFans. Oh, well, well, yeah, I also, I, I, I also understand my demographic and blind people don't use it. Um, <laughs> anyway. Um, so they're getting a hit out of this just as much. They're getting a hit out of this. Exactly. Being told they're beautiful, being told they're special, being, you know, getting this attention. That's the dopamine. And what I wonder is, we now know what's happening to people who have looked at pornography on the internet, because we're about 25 years into the internet experiment, Mm -hmm. and 25 years into everybody being wired. I mean, you had the MIT geeks in the 80s, but the rest of us being wired in didn't start until about 95. And, and, or they started ramping up in 95. Uh, so we've got 25 years of information about people consuming pornography online. And those are scary statistics. Um, I think that 2020 and this pandemic will become known as the time where we learned about pornography addiction, not from the consumer side, but from the producer's side. Because think, think about this. In the 70s and 80s, you had like the adult video market. You had the, the, the adult theaters. But mm-hmm. how, many, how many porn stars were there at any given time? Maybe a couple thousand? Many. I don't know. I mean, I yeah. don't know. They're all out in California. I, I, I don't know. And, uh, but now, I guarantee within 500 feet of you right now, there is somebody who has shown their bits and pieces online in the last year. And that's the world we're coming to. So now, instead of having 2,000 people that we don't know what's going to happen to them, what are we going to see in 20 years with these men and women? Are there going to be 45, 50-year-old men and women who are online, you know, flashing people for $2 because they can't make one-tenth the money they make now, but they still need that hit of dopamine. They need that hit of, 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 of love, of attention. But and anybody who tries to say that they don't understand that, go back to that example you gave earlier of putting a post-it note over your phone, even though you yeah. know that nobody is commenting or sending you anything but a like on your picture of your kids. Right. If you care about how many likes you get on every picture you post to your kids, you do know. Yeah. Because it's the same thing. It's the same dopamine, right? It's the you're, same response. It's that same yeah, thing it's the that pleasure you're searching centers. for. Yeah, it's the pleasure centers. I mean, you see people um, who um, get you know, angry that they only got 5,000 likes on a photo. They should have got more. And it's like, wow, you're sick. 
you know, you, you, I, I don't get 5,000 hits on, you know, 500 photos. If you add them all together. Right. Um, <laughs> and, and I'm sure it would mess with my head if I did get that a little bit, but then you need 6,000 hits, then you need 7,000 hits. And then you're, you're getting extreme with your content. And mm-hmm. that's the same thing. And that that's the influencer culture. Well, yeah. Now just transpose that to, uh, you know, showing your, showing your parts online. And it's the same thing. A lot of these, uh, a lot of these women who start out, start out in lingerie or mm-hmm. bikinis, and then it doesn't or take Instagram. too long. It doesn't take, well, it doesn't take too long for them to take that top off and start to be a little bit more uh, mm-hmm. explicit or the guy to take his shirt off and grease up his abs and, then it's a lot from there. It's not that big of a deal to go totally nude. And then from there, you know, some people will move into having sex with their boyfriend or girlfriend or, or masturbating on camera. And a lot of these people who get involved just because you know, they want a little bit of money and they're not going to show anything. It'll be all bikini shots. Well, a year later, you know, they're doing hardcore porn mm-hmm. on this site because it's like any, it's like, it's escalation. It's like the, the alcoholic who goes from beer to wine to shots. It's the gambling addict that goes from $10 to hundred to 500 on a hand of blackjack. You have to escalate the behavior to get the hit. Well, it's like the, so the book that I read that gave me like the aha on what I finally wanted to start the podcast about was actually, um, and I think I mentioned this, but it was um, Down the Rabbit Hole by Holly Madison, one of Hugh Hefner's girlfriends that was on the show years ago, um, Girls Next Door. And she was talking about how in the book, she talked about how so many of the Playboy bunnies, like at one point um, it was kind of hush hush, but Hugh Hefner and the Playboy people at B found out that um, some of the Playmates that were in the running to be playmate of the year were basically becoming high paid escorts. And they didn't want that. They didn't want that associated with their wholesome brand, which in itself is funny to me, but they didn't want that associated. So then they, and they found that there was this one Sultan that everybody was going to go see and in one part of the world. Yeah. Sultan of Brunei. Yes. And so they checked everybody's passports who was in the running to be playmate of the year. And if you didn't submit it, or if they found that you had gone there in the last year, you were automatically kicked out of the running. But she talked about the irony of you have these women posing nude and then you're mad at them that that's the most lucrative thing they can do after that. Like, where do you go after posing nude? You're not everybody's going to be a Jenny McCarthy who can can scale it. And she's literally the 0.5% of playmates. And it's just like this horrible double standard that they were held to where it's like, you can show your boobies for us. But if you go out and do it for some man who's willing to spend 30 grand, no, you're a whore. And all OnlyFans has done has given people like the Sultan of what, what, what was it? Brunei. Now everybody can be the Sultan Brunei, the guy who lives right next door to you in your suburb of, I don't know, Aiken, South Carolina, where I'm from, can now have access to that chick that all he could ever see on Instagram. Absolutely. Absolutely. And and, and that's that's one of the things that you bring up Instagram that is, you know, wild for me about um, looking back at my life and, and pornography and how it's 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 evolved. And I mentioned this in the book is that when I was in high school, if the pretty cheerleader if somebody had a picture of her in a bikini at the beach, oh my God, that thing would have been like treated as currency. Mm-hmm. And, but now 
And we're only talking again, 27, 28 years later, um, graduated in 94. So yeah, 27 years later, uh, we're talking about every person at that same high school I went to who now has Instagram. And it's almost uh, it, it's almost required you have bikini picks up. It's if you're a guy, it's required you have your ab picks up. Yeah. And 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 I couldn't imagine what it would be like to just scroll through half naked pictures of people I'm going to school with. And okay, so you're 17 years old. You're showing the world what you look like in your tiny bikini with the thong, you know, right up the crack. And how much of a step is it for you to take that top off and charge me $20 to look? Mm-hmm. And you grew up, not, not you, but theoretically this 17 year old is turning 18 year old. You grew up without knowing a world without the internet. You grew up always having massive amounts of porn at your fingertips. You grew up without a lot of the taboos towards nudity that anybody thinks mm-hmm. because you you can't even, you know, you, everybody stumbles upon nudity on the internet one way or another. It just happens. Oh, yeah. You know, I, I a couple months back, um, my uncle died and he left me some money and I wanted to go buy a truck. And I made the mistake of going to see how much a Hummer costs. And, yeah well you know what i haven't searched for porn for years and years and years and when you type in how much does a hummer cost whew. can i tell you the first time i ever found or not found but like stumbled across i was in i still remember this i was in high school in the computer lab and i go because i feel like i just didn't have reason but i googled my name rosanna gill the only Rosanna Gills at that time were porn stars. And it was just porn after porn. And I was like, oh my God. And I remember thinking, <laughs> holy crap, holy, what? I'm never going to get a job. I'm never going to get a job if this is what people see if they Google me. Oh my God. And and years later, like, I guess there's so many other Rosannas that don't do porn that that's right. not what you see. But I just remember like my mind exploding, like, holy crap, why are there a whole lot of nudie ladies? And why do they all have the name Rosanna? And that's what you why? do when your name is Rosanna. Right. I was like, oh, shnikes. I, all right. Well, I guess I'd have a clear career path, but I, that wasn't yeah. what I was intending. Yeah, that, that's funny. Um, yeah, no. And that's, 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 that, that was you, you, typing in how much does a Hummer cost? I can now proudly say I drive a Toyota Tacoma. Uh, <laughs> um, and, and, but that's, that's the thing, though, is it's not. A, it's growing up without the taboos um, and, and this doesn't even get into parents these days and, and, you know, society, but growing up with access to sexual material and not really being, um, I don't want to say watched, but not having guidance mm-hmm. of how to consume that sexual material because, you know, how, nobody knew what to expect. Um, and you tell your kid, no, don't do it, or you don't say anything and hope they don't find it because it's a weird conversation. And yeah. that's that. And 20 years later now, we know what's happening. And what I, like I said, going back, talking about these people who are who are now online with, with their nude pictures, I don't worry about 20 years from now, somebody finding your nude pictures. Because frankly, if there's 20 million people out there with nude pictures, it's probably it probably can't be a, a, a disqualifying factor for a lot of things because so many people will have them. 
Mm-hmm. Um, but we are now, you know, we do not know what's going to happen to these people who get that rush. And we don't know. And again, we still don't know what's truly happening with a lot of these people who are addicted to porn. We've only had 20 years of study. That's still not enough for the American Psychiatric Association to include it as a true disease because it needs more study. I mean, alcoholism took 50 or 60 years for them to sign off on. And it's, it's one, and now we're just starting to see perhaps porn producing addiction because it shows all the signs of it we just don't have enough enough uh data on it so you know that that's why i'm out there trying to tell people you know it's it's not about the porn per se it's Mm -hmm. about healthy sexuality and unhealthy sexuality you know if you and your boyfriend or husband love to watch porn together and that's your thing that's great if you're both enjoying it if it doesn't cross a line for either of you fantastic healthy sexuality if you love to watch it and he doesn't and you're making him not healthy Mm, same thing the other way around just like you can't ask them to do something in bed that they don't want to do you know that is what is healthy sexuality for you as an individual may not be healthy sexuality for you in a couple Mm -hmm. uh, depending on the other person so that's really what a lot of it comes down to is is are your decisions with pornography healthy or not? And with somebody like me, who is an addict from day one, there is no healthy decision with pornography. And I want more parents to talk to more kids because about it, make it age appropriate, but I Mm -hmm. want them to talk about it because I think these crazy statistics we have where like one in three men, 18 to 30 is believes they have a porn issue. Um, you know, those men are going to be 40 and then 50 and then 60. I don't necessarily know what we do about them. They're on a case by case basis, but if we can get the future parents or the parents of young kids now to start talking to their kids in a very age appropriate manner, you know, you just tell a six-year-old, if you are using the computer or the tablet and you see a naked person, just let me know. Like if you see a lit cigarette, just like, let me know, or you see a, a bottle of beer or something open somewhere, let me know. So matter of fact, not. Um, Well, and the thing is, this conversation, at least for the first few times when the child is probably under 12, uh, 11 or 12, because that's when they're going to really see porn for the first time, you can guarantee. Um, I think it's not part of the birds and bees speech. It's just Mm -hmm. part of the be careful of life speech. You know, here's how you cross the street. And if your friend runs up with their phone and you see two naked people, um, you know, let me know. That's that you don't even need to say pornography, you know, and and then I, I think you can, I think as the, you know, the the boy or the girl gets older, you can make it more explicit, you can put it in more real world terms, but I think you can start your kids off on the right foot. And they can learn that when they're 18, if they want to look at that stuff, they can, if they want to smoke, they can, if they want to drink, they can, but um, they shouldn't do that while they are in your house because that's not good for them and you won't allow it. Mm-hmm. And that's it. It's not that it makes them a pervert. It doesn't make them a bad person. It's just something that, you know, we don't do in this house because it's not good for you. Um, but when you're over 18, you can make your own decisions. Right. Well, and I think and- I'm glad you said that it doesn't make you a pervert because I think that there are a lot of parents who think that, oh, if I shame them and I shame them hard enough, that's going to keep them away from it. And it's like, no, actually, you're probably doing the opposite. Oh, that, you're driving that, them toward it. 
yes, that works as good as spanking. Right. You know, and, and, and oh, that, you, 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 you don't make somebody feel bad mm-hmm. um, about their, about what it is they're doing. I mean, then that, that's key for somebody in addiction. You know, it, it's, it's very hard for when I'm talking to a woman who's dealing with betrayal trauma to tell her, do not uh, lean on him. You may, you may want to scream at him for the disgusting stuff. You may want to yell at him for making your life difficult. Um, I get it. Um, find another way to get that out of you because think about it. If you feel shamed, if you feel judged, you're going to shut down and you're not going to be communicative and you're not going to share. How can you berate somebody and then turn around and ask them to tell you what you're thinking? Mm -hmm. It just, it doesn't happen. And if you want clear communication, be it with your kid or be it with, you know, your partner, there needs to be a level of judgment that if it exists is withheld. Yep. You know, that I'm sure that, sense. you know, I, 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 I don't know what your relationship situation is, but I'm sure you've been in some where they will do something that just drives you nuts <laughs> or they, or they, or they like something where you think, my God, I have no respect for you liking this whatsoever. <laughs> and, and, but you, you put up with it and you deal with yeah. it. And it's not, it's not that big a deal. And you, maybe you make a smart comment, you know, but then you realize you're not going to change them. So, hey, if they like, you know, bluegrass music, then by all means, enjoy your bluegrass music. Um, and, and, and you let them, you let them go with it and you don't shame them about it. Cause why make somebody feel bad over, over something like that? And even worse, why make somebody feel bad over a a medical condition they have that they don't have the tools to cope with yet yeah yeah when you when you break it down to that it's i i have to remind myself i so i have a boyfriend and he has certain particularities about things like he likes things very in very specific ways and i definitely have my moments where i'm like really like that's what we care about but then i have to think about i'm like one, you have your own, like right. that it does not make sense, but it just matters to you. Right. And two, if that's all it takes to make this man happy, <laughs> like, exactly. to make sure the door shut a certain way or whatever it might be, like we're doing, okay, it's, it's really not that big of a deal and you don't even well, care. No. So just choose to make him happy on that. Like, yeah. come on. But I, yeah. I still have to like have these no. conversations with myself and then I'll go back to him that's, sometimes. I'm like, I was a smart ass and I'm sorry because you didn't deserve what? that. And, and you know what? That's called cognitive behavioral therapy, what you're doing essentially. And that's why so many people who, you know, are addicts or even are the partners of addicts. One of the things that I push and one of the things that absolutely helped me was cognitive behavioral therapy. Um, it, it it is retraining yourself. It is getting muscle memory. Go, going back to talking about, uh, you know, what, what sets somebody off. Um, this person doesn't want to be an addict. You know, that's the, the, the people don't want to be addicts. People, you know, they know something's wrong. Like I knew I was an alcoholic, even if I denied it. And I knew I did not look at pornography the way other people did, even if I didn't really know porn addiction was a thing. Um but those are those are major things where you know you need to i needed somebody to plant a seed to get me to start processing it so mm-hmm. it's not something it, you know 
it's not a matter of, oh, well, he just does that and I'll put up with that. You know, that's, that's, that's a big thing. And that's part of the, that's part of the, uh, part, part of the deal is understanding that um, there are some major issues that you can't just say, I'm not going to judge them because sometimes you have to save them. Then don't, 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 don't judge them on the issue itself in terms of morality, but you know, if, if, you know, your kid falls off their bike and breaks their leg, you're not going to stand there and go, well, this is what you deserve for going down that hill too fast. You're going to help deal with the problem. And you're not going, when they're in the back seat crying on the way to the emergency room, you're not going to start running through scenarios of them not going down that hill in the future. That's (laughs) not the time for it. Wait for them to mend, wait for them to be on the rebound, wait for them to have processed what had happened to them. And then you can have some conversations. Uh, you know, I always, uh, the, uh, the partner always wants to know disclosure wise, well, what did he do? And I, you know, I need to know everything. And it's like, do you really need to know everything? Mm-hmm. And, mm-hmm. and don't ask him and don't prod him. Wait till you have a third party, a facilitator to help disclosure when it comes to what he did, whether it was porn addiction, what he looked at, or whether it was infidelity with, with intercourse addiction. Um, how much do you really need to know? How much do you want to know? What will be the effects on you of hearing certain things? Do you recognize you cannot unhear certain things? Mm-hmm. And this is not something that should be done randomly on a Tuesday night you know, during the commercials of your favorite show, because it may get even more traumatic. It may get Mm -hmm. loud. It may, God forbid, it gets violent. Wouldn't that be better in, in a therapist's office? Mm -hmm. Wouldn't, you know, what is your safety plan? What is your exit plan? What happens if you have kids and you suddenly decide it's not safe there? Where are you going? Do you have enough money stashed away to do two nights in a hotel if none of your friends or none of your family can possibly take you in? There are all these things that you need to think about. So turning to him and being like, so tell me about that floozy you were with. And he starts getting in deep detail and you didn't actually want to know all the little details. And that wasn't healthy for you. Well, you know what? Had you met with that coordinator beforehand, they could have perhaps helped you understand you didn't need all that. What mm-hmm. is it you do you need the headlines? Do you need the details? What is it that you need to get through this? What is it that we need to have to uh, start the healing? And it's different for different people, but it's you know, you wouldn't just lay down on the couch and start cutting into your heart because your doctor said you need to see a cardiologist. You know, you need to have mental health is just as big a deal. And you need to sit with somebody um, who does have the experience of facilitating these kinds of discussions um, because it's very easy. He tells you about that floozy and then you start screaming at him and he starts screaming at you because he doesn't have the tools to cope yet. And you're feeling betrayed and you're going off your emotions. And what happens if you've got a couple little kids upstairs who can hear every word? Do you mm-hmm. know what you're doing to them? What's going to happen to them when they're 16 or 26 or 36? Because they're listening to their parents scream at each other about infidelity. That's, that's why you, you have to plan this out and it, you know, shaming and, and, and all of this, uh, it just, it, it just doesn't lead down a good road. So, um, 
as much as I hate to say bite your tongue to any person who's going through this betrayal trauma, sometimes you need to bite your tongue and, and recognize that the questions you have, the concerns you have, they will either work themselves out, they will become not important, or there will be a better time to discuss them. Mm-hmm. Okay, so if somebody has listened, where would they go? Like if, if somebody, especially if it's a betrayal victim or somebody who thinks that they're a betrayal trauma victim, do they go to your website? Is that the best way for them to get a hold of you or to yeah, reach out I mean, to they you? Can, they can, yeah, if they want to reach out to me, um, that they get go to my website and uh, you'll see there that, you know, I've got uh, my betrayal trauma certification and I have written a little bit about it, read a bit about it, go online and just type in betrayal trauma into Google and see what comes up and if you like any of it. I work with an organization called the, uh, excuse me, uh, Post Betrayal Transformation Institute which is specifically about um, getting women and men through the traumatic experience. Now, it doesn't have to be porn, doesn't have to be infidelity. It can be anything. Most of it is are those cases, but it can be anything that's, that's sticking with you and you can't get beyond the trauma. Um, and it's, it's, it's becoming more and more common that you can get help out there. Um, so it, it, much like I say, if you're an addict, if you believe that you have betrayal trauma, you probably do. Mm. And you, and if you're unsure, talk to a professional, talk to somebody who's been there and gone through it. Talk to somebody who knows more than you do and listen to them. Don't, don't do that for a disqualifying interview. Oh, well, they said this, so that's not me. Or they did this and that's not me. Or their partner did this and that's not me. Don't do it for a disqualifying interview. Do it for a qualifying reason. What are the reasons that they are reflecting to you that you should go get some help? Um, because that's usually the case. So people can visit my website. It is stillrecoveringpornaddict.com. You can hit me up on uh, Twitter or the Instagram. Uh, and I'm old, so I say the Instagram. And, uh, the gram, the, the gram. Uh, and uh, I'm on LinkedIn as well if you want to pretend to be professional with me and uh, yeah I'm not on Facebook because like I said last time I don't care who you voted for and I don't want to hear about it uh, so you know find me and I'll, I'll give you I'll give you my honest assessment I'm not looking to get rich off this stuff I want to help people out there if I can help more people than I hurt my life will be a net good. And I think that's really my goal right now is when they put me in the ground to say that uh, he gave more than he took. And I spent the first 35 years of my life really taking. Um, so I still have work to do. I still have work to do, but um, it's, it's something where if I can make people's lives better before they get to the point that I did, um, I think that's saying something and, and that's what makes me feel good. And that's what feels like my calling is to get totally serious and sappy, but that's what it feels like I'm here for at this point. So I'll keep trucking. All right, guys, I hope that you enjoyed this episode and that you will come back for next week, our final part of this series with Josh. And if you found this episode interesting or informative, please leave a review, especially if you listen on iTunes, which it seems like the vast majority of people do. It really helps to have reviews. Uh, you can write one, but even if you don't feel like writing one, you can always just go and put whatever stars review you want, whether it's one star, two star, or five. Whatever your feedback is, I would love to get it. So thank you again for listening and 
We'll see you next week. Bye.